the money where 40% of the wealth of the dollar in America ever printed, 40% of it ever printed, was printed in the last 12 months. Let me say that one more time. 40% of all the currency in the history of America ever printed was printed in the last 12 months. Then you got $5 trillion of money you fed into the economy. You got real estate, weird prices. Nothing makes sense today. When nothing makes sense, you have to step back and research a lot. Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen of Luca Nation, you know, today we have a very, very special guest in uh, Patrick Bedavid. Patrick is a businessman. He's an author. He's a fellow card collector. And you may remember him from a few months ago, the record Gretzky OPG PSA 10 sale. He's also the creator of Valuetainment, a YouTube channel with just under 3 million subs, 2.95 to be exact. So pause, please, and go subscribe to that channel and then come back and listen to this episode. He's interviewed my favorite, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, Tim Grover, and half the mafia family just to pick their brain and see what they're up to. He's also the author of Your Next Five Moves, which is uh, a guide to mastering yourself and, and uh, the business world. Uh, and you know, we're all in different stages in our professional, personal, and specifically our sports card collecting careers. And oftentimes you mentioned in the book, people are met with failure because they're doing step 12 on step two. And we see that so much in the sports card space itself. If there's nothing else, I would love for our audience to leave today's episode with a blueprint, a guide of how to build a world-class collection. Before we get into that, yeah. before we do, I want to touch on your childhood. So you're an immigrant like myself, and I don't know if I heard this correctly, so straighten me out if I didn't. You had a, a stint, you had to stay at a refugee camp in Germany on your way to immigrate into the U.S., and that's where you got into card collecting. I did. I was collecting cards in Germany at a refugee camp because I went to Germany in 1989, and in 1990, Germany won the World Cup. So when they won the World Cup, everybody was collecting all the main, you know, German soccer players, and we were we were all for it. So we'd go out there, collect cards and trade cards and at a refugee camp at 11, 12 years old. So that's the first time I was introduced to cards. Do you remember your first card? I couldn't tell you, but I do know it was one of the members of the German soccer team, the national cha- national soccer team. A little front of Beckham camp, action. That was also the first time that he was stabbed. So thanks for bringing that time. <laughs> Good memory. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well done. Listen, that was a hell of an intro. Normally I'm on long intros, but I have to say thank you because, so we've been doing this for less than a year. We have thousands of people who listen to us across, I think the last time I checked, 58 countries. We're not as, we're not as big time as you, but... My first time talking to my co-host, Andrew, we said, we're going to set some goals for this thing, right? Small goals. You know, get 100 listeners, get 500 listeners, get 1,000 listeners. The first goal he ever had, and this is a man who worked for Gary V. So, Gary, be prepared to get butthurt here, all right? The first goal he ever told me was, I got to get Patrick Bet David on the show. It's ah. not a lie. So, this is a culmination of a lot of stuff coming together here. So, we really do appreciate it. I thank you because now uh, I feel like I could quit. Because I've accomplished this man's number one goal. This is it. This is the key. So thank you very much for coming on. And I'll Anytime. shut up now. Andrew, Anytime. do your Cronkite thing and ask this guy whatever questions you have. Because I know this is like your hero, man. Well, I, I, love the, I love that Patrick's a businessman, a card collector, and an economist. 
And I think what we're seeing is the crossover of a lot of those things. So he, he talks about that on his uh, daily show, uh, Soy Boy Mafia is on it, uh, all that good stuff. But you picked up a Zion card recently, and I saw you tweeted yeah. that Zion might be the next guy that scores 100 points in a game. But and, and let me tell you, I said this, and people call me crazy. They say I'm insane. It'll never happen in today's game. Devin Booker has more of a shot at scoring 100 points than Zion Williamson because the game's changed. So the person that's going to score is going to score on 15 threes or someone's going to break the record with 23. So it's going to be a person like that. But I got to tell you, Zion is a very different animal, okay? And, and you have to know that I don't buy new generation players. I'm not that guy. It, it, I'm more vintage. I'm more Mickey. I'm more, you know, Williams. I'm more going all the way back to Jackie, Robinson, Clemente. I'm more Babe Ruth. I've, I have a big collection of Babe Ruth cards from the 30s and, and the old times. But Every once in a while, you got to look at the stocks of what the upside of a player could be. So this guy's 285 with a whatever, 43 or 46 inch vertical lead. I mean, who's counting? It's between some number like that that he's got, depending on the day he jumps uh, 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 as high as anybody in the league. And you give him the ball. He just moves. And whether you like it or not, you're bouncing off of him. And it's as if no one touched him. It's a very weird dynamic with the way he is. You know, when when. Shaq would do it, it would look like he touched you for whatever reason when Zion's like like oil, like he's just moving over you and you can't even stop this guy. So, but if you also look at his game, the difference between him and you watch some of the killers of the game, Kobe wants the ball all the time, right? Steph Curry will go and he'll, he'll get the ball. You know, Durant is going to get the ball. Harden's going to get the ball. Kyrie's going to get the ball. Zion doesn't even ask for the ball. Like, if you look at his game, he's not even asking for the ball. It just somehow gets in his hands, and he'll go 16 for 19, 13 for 16, 12 for 16. 60% to him is nothing, 62%. On a good game, he'll shoot 70, 80%. So I think this guy could end up scoring 100 points in a game. To score 100 points in a game, you're looking at 50 field goals. If he goes 35 for 50, you got your 70 there. Then he's going to get fouled a ton in the third and fourth quarter. Hopefully it's a double overtime, you know, maybe a one <laughs> overtime. I think Zion's going to score. And by the way, if he scores 100 points in a game and breaks. You've got the recall. You, you have to know that today is March 29, 2021. <laughs> I'm going to come out and I'm going to say, I told you so. Now, if he doesn't, listen, you can criticize me all you want, but we're going to find out in the next decade if he's going to do it or not. Love it. I'm curious. I'm curious, though. You you had an office in Dallas and our community. So what we do here, Patrick, we're a daily episode. We bring an episode every single day, seven days a week, kind of like the radio station, because so much of the card hobby changes daily. And our fans, our community is called Luka Nation. You're not a Luka, no Luka Doncic cards, huh, for you? I do, but I think it's overpriced is where I'm at. I think it's overpriced. And, and what I mean by it is, OK, so. What is he going to do? Is this $4.6 million card going to sell for $46 million? I don't think so. In the next 10 years, absolutely not. So if I, as an investor, if I buy something for $4.6 million, what am I expecting? Five years from now, it's a $10 million card? Really, that card's going to be a $10 million card in five years? Okay, great. So that's 2x, so 100% divided by five, 20%. If I do the rule of 72, it's like a 15% return. I'm not, I'm not putting 5 million bucks for 15% return into a card. So I'm not telling you, to me, 
He's a modern day bird, except a better version of bird, hands down. And the way he plays and runs, he never runs. It's like he's walking, which means this guy's going to play 20 years. I mean, he's, he's, he's like a shorter Dirk Nowitzki, healthier, sturdier body. You know, he's got the personality, which Dirk didn't have the personality. He's going to do a lot of commercials. He's going to have a a love factor. I mean, I go watch this guy and I flip and entertain and kudos to Cuban and his camp for picking up guys like this. But you you put him in that category and he gets hot. He's got a temper. He gets pissed off. Mm-hmm. He fights the biggest guys. How do you not love this guy? I mean, and, and for the NBA, if I look at the league, you always need the next personality that can be a face. This guy could be a face and as great as Giannis is, Giannis is not as witty as this guy is. And he's not as, uh, Giannis is confident. But again, the way this guy's personality is, he's so magnetic. LeBron, we knew he had a personality when he came to the game, right? You kind of saw it. Barkley had a ridiculous personality. Some of these guys have amazing personalities. Uh, Lucas got it, but I just don't see him 10Xing. And I look for investments that I'm going to be able to make some Good read. Like the Zion I bought for 350. I bought it for whatever price it was. Three somewhere between 340 to 350. It was one of National Treasures RPA three out of five. Uh, the one that I bought. And uh, can Zion go 10x on that 350 investment? I think he could. Can he go 15x? I think he could in the next 24 months. Is Luca gonna go 15x? I don't think so. Specifically, not in those big cards that I look at. It's important, by the way, even not for the big cards. Listen, Luca Nation, that was, there's a lot to unpack there, right? Because every, if you just tune in at the end of that, you didn't listen to the first sentence about how, hey, I'm going to put my money in here. Is it going to multiply? You just listen to all of the reasons why Luca should be a sound investment, right? He's going to, he's a face of the game. You know, he's got a personality. Yeah. He's all this fun stuff. You know, he's got a fire to him. You know, he's going to last for 20 years. But if everybody knows this and everybody's already run his prices up, then the key, the flip side to that equation is even though he has all those intangibles, even though he's a sound investment, people have already put money in him and raised the prices on him to a point where it's no longer a good investment because you're not going to see the returns that you could see on someone like Zion. It's important, twofold. I like it. I like it. And, and just, just so you know, I got $100,000 into him. I just don't have a few million into him. Right. I got only 100000 So if you open my safe, I have a, a Lucas. I just don't have $100,000 worth of stuff in there. So Patrick, you know, <laughs> my, my co-host, you know, we come at this from such different angles. I'm 31 years old. I'm an aspiring entrepreneur. I'm just starting out my career. My co-host is a lawyer out of New York. He's been collecting cards since basically 1944-ish. We still are yet to determine the date. But the point <laughs> of that is uh, he's seen it all. And a I lot dated of the Ted cards Williams that are... mom. He likes to tell people I dated <laughs> Ted Williams' mother. <laughs> and the point of this is Cage uh, has owned just about every card in circulation, okay? And we often do this little kind of uh, exercise. Oh, I own that card. I sold that LeBron Topps Chrome for 1000 now it's 30 Man, I should have kept it, right? But you famously, and correct me if I'm wrong again, you own the black label Kobe Bryant refractor card just like eight, nine years ago. And I heard this, uh, maybe I misworded it, so please correct me. You said you were starting out uh, your insurance business at that time and you needed to make payroll and you sold that card for 17,900 bucks. So help us, uh, help us with that, right? So many so, people- so need to Great be question. Closer. So let me tell you what I did. Here's what I did. It's a crazy story. So I uh, uh, bought that card years ago for you know 10 or 12,000 dollars. 
And I had $10,000. I ended up flipping it a year later, uh, sold it for $17,000 because I needed the money. But the other day when I told the story, I went back and I emailed the Chinese investor that I sold it to. And I said, just out of curiosity, did I sell you the black label or did I sell you the BGS 10 chrome, uh, tops chrome refractor? He sends a picture. He says, you sold me the 10. I said, okay. So I got to make sure I told the audience this the first time I'm saying this. I own the BGS 10, not the Topps Chrome Refractor. It was my fault. I, I didn't own the Topps Chrome Refractor. I own the BGS 10. I think the BGS 10 is still worth, uh, uh, I don't know what it's worth, <laughs> a half a million dollar card. Would you say it's a quarter million yeah, to a half a million dollar card? Yeah, the refractor, so, definitely. So I, I sold the BGS 10 still from the moment I sold it till today, that, that's still 20X or 30X what I paid into it. So the whole idea with this is when I told that story, is to know everybody, you know, the whole thing with cards or stocks or, or real estate or anything you own, when you're in it, if you sell it at, at what it's worth at that time or above market price, you did good. Now, if you can hang on to it, hang on to it. Like, let's just put it to you this way. What is the like, if you hang on to a Michael Jordan PSA 10, 86 Fleer, which there's what, 330 of them out? I don't know the exact numbers. 300 plus of those that are out it's there. Like you guys don't. Okay. And 318. Let's call it 318. Okay, 318. That's out there. Watch this. In the next 10 years, how many more PSA 10s do you think are going to come out of uh, the same Jordan? What do you think? A, a handful, if that. A handful. Perfect. Because right? PSA is getting tighter, right? Yep. So let's just say, let's say worst case, 10 years from now, it's, it's 350. Is that a fair assessment? Let's yes. say 350. Yep. That card sold 738. It just sold for 400 and something last week. Say it goes down and bottoms out at a quarter million. Let's just say it bottoms out at a quarter million to $300,000. I may be wrong. Say it does for like a season, one mm -hmm. sale, you know, whatever, right? What do you think that card is going to be worth 10 years from now? What if you, you ask me, I'm, I'm, not the right, I'm not the right one to ask. I own one. So, you know. But so yeah. tell me, what do, you think is, what do you think is worth 10 years from now? I think it's a million dollar card. I do. I because I, I look at the chart, right? I don't look at the seven. I look at that last year where it was and I look at where it is now and I know there are blips. There are going to be highs. and There's going to be lows. I look at it for the long-term view, right? I disagree with you. I don't think it's going to be a million dollar car 10 years from now. I think it's going to be a $2 million car 10 years from now. Yeah. So I, all right. I, I like I'm that. Saying, yeah, I'm saying to you, I think it's going to be worth more, but the point is if you sold that card for anything above 500 K today, you did good today. If you think about it, you did good today. So sometimes we have to also understand what we're doing. If you don't have a need for the money today and you can hang on to cards, 90% of these cards of guys that are retired who are no longer playing, the only thing that's going to hurt their card is what? An OJ Simpson type of a scenario, right? A, a Deshaun Watson, I hope it doesn't get uglier than what it is right now. Hopefully it gets better. And very rarely will you see ESPN coming up, calling out players. And when they do, you know it's because it's you know real because they typically are very sensitive because one of their biggest sponsors is who NFL. You're not going to go out there yep. bashing NFL, so NFL probably gave them the green light. But those types of risk are more likely to happen with active players than you know retired players, and even less of what dead players, right? Meaning who are no deceased who are no longer with us here. But if you keep in a Michael card, Michael's a pretty low key guy. Could something happen in the next ten years about Michael? Every year something happens to him. He didn't get enough money to charity here. He didn't do this. Rumors have it. Some woman did some. But Michael's a Teflon. You can't touch Michael. Michael's same status. And Michael's low-key. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. So there are certain things that you have to be thinking about all around when you're making these investments into these cards. I love it. 
listen, so this is getting very serious. I'm the joke guy of the group, right? So I'm the guy, I'm the guy who makes people laugh, right? You know, we insurance lawyers, we make people laugh a little bit, right? For people in the insurance industry. So I'm going to tell a joke. You can let, hopefully, Patrick, you'll let me get to the end of it, right? But then I want you to tell a story based on the joke. You ready for this? Before. Think you can do this? I love it. This is what we call it like a cage match. So he'll smile, I guarantee. So because it's important, we have listeners from all walks of life and I happen to have a college degree and, a, and a, a higher learning degree beyond college, postgraduate degree. And I work for someone who never graduated college, right? That's my boss. Never got a four-year degree. I know you didn't get a four-year degree. I know you were in the 101st, but never got a four-year degree. A lot of our people are now thinking about what's their way to go through life. And a lot of our listeners are non-traditional, right? I don't need to go to college. College might be a waste. That might be the way for me to go, right? But sometimes it's hard to get your foot in the door. So I'm going to tell a joke. Then you can tell a story. My joke is this. Dad, he's got three kids, right? He's got three sons, right? And he, you know, he tells his sons right before he passes away, he says, this is how you're going to honor me, right? And I die, you're going to come to my funeral and you put $1,000 in my coffin, right? So the guy dies, his three sons show up, they come to the funeral, the first one comes up, drops 10 hundreds in the casket. And everybody in the funeral is all excited. They're saying, hey, look at this, he's paying his respects. The second son drops, I think it was 2050s, if the yes. denomination was correct. Drops 2050s, and the third son comes up, writes a check for $3,000, drops it in and takes the two grand cash out, says I paid my debt. So I like this joke, but I know you like it. Can you tell our audience why? Because that, that joke is what got me a job at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter at 21 without a degree. That's, that's what, right. that's what that, uh, that joke did. No, you know, it's, it's the power of humor. You know, humor unites. You know, humor diffuses. Humor uh, uh, becomes the glue of people who have opposing opinions and ideas to come along and want to collaborate and do business together. So I think there's a lot of value in humor, but I didn't have a lot to offer at 21 years old. I had just gotten out of the military. I wanted to be the next Arnold. I was going to marry a Kennedy, be a bodybuilder, win Mr. Olympia, go into Hollywood and be a governor eventually, right? So, I mean, wait a minute. If I can get a job at Morgan and the way I do was through humor, it changed my life. So you asked a question about a lot of younger people. Were you asking about college? Is that kind of the direction you were going with the question or? Well, it, you know, you can take it any way you want, right? Because I'm, I'm actually older than you. And, you know, I mean, I was not even presented with this kind of option. I don't come from an immigrant family. I mean, two generations back, sure. But, you know, I was told there's one path of doing life. And it's, you know, you go to school, you go to college, you become a doctor or a lawyer. Uh, I think I took the lawyer route. And my mother was upset. Typical Jewish mom. So, you know, it's like, why not a doctor? You know, so, you know, it is what it is, right? So, so, but there was never any go figure out a way to do it. And I got to tell you, Patrick, like, you know, not just listening to your content, but just the year of doing this podcast alone, right? I, I'm, I'm invested in NFT. I can't even spell NFTs. You know, people are talking about crypto, Bitcoin, people making money left and right without even thinking about going to college. There's just the world today has opened up you know, so many different paths for people to succeed. I think it's a lot of what you talk about. So yeah, I mean, the entry was, hey, you don't have to go to college to succeed. But I mean, I think, you know, you're a shining example of that, right? And I want our folks to listen to that and to hear from you that, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, you know? Yeah, I would say, I would say so let, let, let's talk about it with my kids, because that's going to be the most honest feedback I'll give you, right? So my kids, Perfect. I talked to my son the other day, my middle son, Dylan, 
who looks like a Middle Eastern Bo Jackson. He's got the bubble butt, okay? He's got the legs and his calves. It makes no sense when you see the, this guy's calves. At seven years old, and he runs. Every, when he hits you, you feel it. And he knows he's the good-looking, charming, sweet, competitive, caring kid that he is. It's, it's very the unique. Mr. Olympia of the Bet David family. He, he definitely has a bigger shot than his daddy ever had. So he's a, he's a different kind of an animal. So, you know, I sit there and I say, so Dylan, what college are you going to go to? And Dylan says, daddy, I'm not going to go to college. I said, why are you not going to go to college? He said, why would I go to college? I'm going to start a business like you at 18 years old. I said, why wouldn't you? You should, you should consider college. He said, no, I don't want to consider college. I said, okay, cool. I said, so what do you want to do in life? He said, yeah, I'm going to start a business. I said, you know, Tico, if, if Dylan, if your daddy, if my daddy was your daddy, meaning if I was the 18-year-old Patrick's daddy, and he had the resources, the money, the contacts, the relationships that he has, I would have considered going to college. He says, why is that? So let me tell you why. I said, I don't see college as the number one priority is education. I said, you can read books and get better. I mean, if you're in the David family, you're going to read a lot of books, period. So you are definitely going to have a lot of stuff because the currency of this family is reading. He says, okay, good. I said, but if you go to college, that's when you recruit and put a killer team together. So the only difference between a community college or a state college or one of these bigger and then the Ivy colleges, the, the pool of talent as you go higher is better, which means the pool of talent to be your business partners in the future is higher likely the higher you are, period. And you don't have to be the engineer, the coder. You don't have to be that guy. You can be the biz dev guy. You can be the sales guy. You can be whatever. But if you put a team together, yeah, it's all of a sudden you're worth a billion dollars, $10 billion, and then you go take that money and do whatever you want to do uh, with <laughs> it for yourself. Now, obviously, if you're doing STEM, you got to go to college because STEM is, you know, you have no choice to learn it. Yep. Go to college, but most of the other stuff, go so for you know what I'm hearing? outcome than just a degree. What I'm hearing you telling your, your son is a smart person I listened to one day said, if you take any billionaire in the world, they never did it themselves. No billionaire ever got there themselves, right? It's about people helping people. So, College might be where you find those people, right? I Listen, I fully believe that. Fully believe that. Right now, I made a phone call yesterday because I'm itching to do something big with cards, okay? And even if I do it like part-time, like five to 10 hours a week, I'm itching. Because right now, I run an insurance company. We're growing. We're up a month over month. March over last year, March, we're up 160%. We got a lot of weird things going on with the company. We got good stuff going on there. Value payment is growing. Vault is growing. I'm about to launch an app that I'm investing money into that we're producing. I own 100% of it. And then, but I also have this passion for collectibles and cards. I just can't get it out of my system. I'm trying to find out how to monetize it. All I did this weekend is make a few phone calls that if I were, were to do it, who would be the people I'd want to recruit to be on the team with me? Who would be the developer? Who would be the guy that knows the most about current cards, old football, you know, different leagues? And who knows more about the you know, the Bowman cars, the Topps car, the Panini cars, because, you know, one doesn't know everything about everything. You always typically have an area that's your strength. But the first place my mind went to is who the hell do I recruit for my team? It's the first place my mind went to. Well, yeah. I have a feeling you found the man right there in your top uh -huh. left corner. No, this man, he's, he's very interesting. You know, he's uh, he plays the funny guy, but his knowledge, he's uh, he, he's like uh, Goodwill Hunting. He's like an encyclopedia. He knows all the releases. He's been doing it since he was what three years old four years old he did it again guys he's pretending to compliment me but he called me a janitor don't let that slide we all see what he did there 
We would love to help you in any way. But but I have a question. You know, we often talk about making wealth in the hobby, right? How do we make money in the hobby? And I was fortunate, you know, bills aside, budget aside, I was able to turn 5,000 into just under 100 in the last year. Uh, Top Shot, Star Stock, traditional cards, vintage, grading, all of it combined. But we don't talk necessarily about protecting our wealth, for lack of a better word. Uh, and maybe help me understand that, like how I word this question, but you know, you've talked about a ton of crypto millionaires and a ton of card millionaires that are gonna come up in the next two, three, four years. But people forget that, you know, a million could go to zero really quickly too. So how would you be looking at protecting the wealth that you've made over these last few years? Uh, if I'm staying in the cards, uh, if I'm specifically targeting cards as one avenue, is just look at players as small cap, mid cap, large cap. Very simple. If I buy small cap stocks, they're the most likely to go bankrupt. They're the most likely to screw up. If I buy mid cap, is a higher likelihood of sticking around, right? Then small cap, less likely to go out of business. And then large cap, I'm dealing with the Disney's of the world, the Walmart's of the, Walmart's of the world, the Amazon's of the world. If I'm dealing here, I may be dealing with Clubhouse. I may be dealing with a smaller company that just doing 50 million year, 20 million year, 100 million year, right? But at the mm-hmm. same time, this 50 million could go to a billion. If it does, you made 20x your money. So $100,000 all of a sudden became 20, uh, $2 million, right? Versus if you invest into Amazon, that's currently a $2 trillion company. Let's say it's going to be a $4 trillion company in the next five years. Okay, your 100 grand became what? 200 grand in five years. But as you get older, you have to do the math of your age and how much risk you can take. If you're 30 years old, say in stocks, you'll sit with a client that the basic math they use is whatever your age is, subtract it from 100, let's just say. So if I'm, a, if I'm 30 years old, I subtract 30 from um, 100, I got 70. 70% needs to be in equities. I can afford to have 70 in equities. So if I got $100,000 to invest, 30% maybe goes into you know a little bit more of a, Safer investments, $70,000 goes on what? In funds, mutual funds, and all that other stuff. You can kind of figure out stocks where you can put it. As you age, the same thing goes with that as well. However, most people that are doing cards, they're not 100% cards. Most investors in cards, unless if you're dealing with younger uh, audience, there are many who they're 100% of their wealth is in cards. Just like if you're dealing with Bitcoin, 100, most Bitcoin investors, 100% of their wealth isn't Bitcoin. They're not diversified, right? And uh, here's the problem and the opportunity with being diversified or not being diversified. If you're diversified, less risk of screwing the whole thing up, but also less likely of you having a massive victory, okay? It's just a safe way of living. If you're singly in one area, one industry, one product, one investment, the likelihood of you exploding and creating a lot of wealth is higher but the likelihood of you losing it all is also higher, right? So how do you manage the two? Look, you know, what is your tolerance for risk? What is your tolerance for losing sleep at night because you lost all your money? What is your tolerance for getting a Trey Young who you think could go do something big, but at the same time, ankle injuries to smaller players? What is your risk of wanting to go get a John Moran who jumps out of the flipping place, but he, he goes up, comes down, steps on somebody's foot, breaks his ankle, then he's gone, but Jaw could be the next Westbrook. Jaw could be the next a lot of different things, right? So is there an upside for that? So that's one of the reasons why it, when I look at a Luca, and you guys are Luca Nation, Luca's vertical leap is six inches. He's not going to step on anybody's ankle, okay? 
So the, the, the I'm not I'm not being sarcastic. I mean, well, I, he turns I, a, I, turn a six-inch vertical leap into a positive. Yeah, that's hard I'm, to do. I'm, I'm telling you, as an investor, I love the fact that Luca can jump more than six inches. Now, obviously, it's, it's 20 inches, but I'm just joking with this. The fact that he's not going to hurt himself. So you got to put all of that stuff into you got to consider all of that stuff before you go out there. And then, you know, when you're younger, you, you have more upside, more uh, uh, room, wiggle room to screw up. You don't as you age. You got to kind of be a little bit more calculating as you age. So I love where you went with this. So I don't know how much you know about the Instagram sports card hobby community, but they're bipolar. One week they're excited. They're happy. This is the best thing ever. Last week, you know, prices are collapsing. Vegas Dave is right. This is going to be a mockery. All this stuff. So Cage, you know, wanting to add a little humor, uh, he, he took some shots at people. And our friends in Australia made him the lemon of the week or the lemon <laughs> of the week. Uh, and one thing specifically is because he came out LeBron James and LeBron right. James not being a goat. So you famously have also had reservations, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so please elaborate here, about LeBron James really being that great. What's okay, your wait. on LeBron he James, says- the player... If he agrees with me on LeBron James, we're going to have to go do karate in the garage together because we're going to become best friends near this guy. Are you sitting? He's a, you really, you're not a LeBron lover? Because these kids, man, Patrick, they love LeBron. I'm not that, a that LeBron is, lover. That, by the way, if there's one thing that's hazardous for my health, it's to come after LeBron on these podcasts. These guys go nuts. But God. Let's talk about LeBron. Okay, first of all, yeah. uh, LeBron. Uh, LeBron is Team LeBron first. Right. LeBron is the first guy in the history of the league who has this level of monopoly that LeBron has. Kobe never had monopoly because Kobe was hated. Okay. So Kobe didn't care to be your best friend. Okay. Michael Jordan didn't have a monopoly because Michael Jordan was also hated. He didn't care to be your best friend. LeBron cares too much to be liked by everybody, which means what? His man, his agent is everyone's agent. The league has to figure out a way that you cannot do that. There is a monopoly right there. Then you got, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the Carter, uh, Maverick Carter. Then you got Rich Paul. Then you got the media company that is coming out. Then he's got all these people in his pockets behind. Not that he's paying them off, but to write good articles about him, which I understand why some people are scared to write negative articles about him because they're only making 75 grand a year. So if he makes one phone call and say, I will never do an interview with ESPN ever again, if you don't fire that guy. So you have to know that people are scared shitless of LeBron James. I mean, no, you cannot dispute that. There is no question. All these people making 50 to hundred thousand dollars your income who write the journalists, they're never going to tell you the truth. They're mostly scared. Only a small percentage of them, 5% to 10% of them are really going to tell you how they feel about the whole thing. Most of them would much rather be invited to LeBron's birthday party than to earn the clients and the listeners, uh, 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 what do you call it, loyalty. So now let's set that aside. That's LeBron James. Is LeBron's wealth going to surpass a lot of people's wealth in the game of basketball? A hundred percent. Is he going to be worth more than Michael? I don't know about that. Michael's shoe contract is just so ridiculous. Michael, if you just do basic math, Michael's a $100 billion guy in the next 20 years. So if LeBron's going to be a $100 billion person next 20 years, do people go Google Gaga over LeBron's shoes the way people do over MJ's? No way. So shoes, not in the same league. Media, Jordan could care less about having a media company. LeBron does. LeBron's in the constantly wants to be in the news. Jordan doesn't want to be in the news. Jordan's more the old school. 
You know the movie American Gangster where the guy tells Frank Lucas, why are you wearing a jacket? Like, why'd you give me something like this? And then he burns it in that one scene where Frank Lucas burns it. That's more Michael. LeBron is more, look what I'm wearing. Look who I am. He's kind of more out there. So, you know, it's like John Gotti versus, you know, old school mobsters that they didn't want people to know. John Gotti was the one that was out there. That's kind of LeBron. He's out there constantly. Jordan was not. So now go to the game. If you look at the game, the greatest human specimen the game of basketball has ever seen is two people. It's only two names. The, the greatest human specimen we've seen in really? the game of basketball at that level is Shaq and LeBron. You can throw Dwight Howard in there. You can throw Michael Jordan in there. None of them are close to those two names, period. Nothing comes close to Shaq and LeBron. So God-given, 6'8", 6'9", running a 4'440", you know, acceleration the way LeBron's got, and he just pushes you around. The guy looked like a 30-year-old at 18 years old. I mean, it's just insane when you look. This guy came out of high school. You already know the guy was a Hall of Famer. Like, and you have to give him a lot of credibility that with all of that pressure on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16, 17 years old, he went above and beyond what the world thought he was going to do. Let's face that. So let's put all that stuff aside. As a great player, I rank him as the second greatest. Resume-wise, by the time it's done, resume-wise, nobody in the history of the league, when it comes down to stat statistics, is going to have a better resume than LeBron. And LeBron could still win seven. Let's not, let's not, he could still win seven. It's a 5 10% chance, but he could still win seven. I put 5% chance of him winning seven. Six, he could to tie, Le uh, to tie Mike. Seven, he could. Let's say 5% chance. Now let's go to Michael. Everything I said to you, if we played a game of uh, let's play NBA draft, you got first pick. You pick LeBron, guess who I'm picking? I'm picking Michael. But if you pick Michael, guess who I'm picking? Shaq. You pick Michael, I'm picking Shaq. After Shaq, because again, to me, it's dominance. I love him even more. Yeah, I'm a huge Shaq guy. It's <laughs> dominance, right? If you put the GOAT, there is no way in the world LeBron's even close to Michael when it comes down to the conversation of GOAT. It's not, I know people will say close. I know a lot of the younger guys are going to hate me. They're going to send me messages on Twitter, or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm just telling you, they don't, they don't compare. And if you don't believe it, go buy the special DVD set series of Michael Jordan's games. It's like six DVDs. I'm not even talking about last dance. I'm talking about from the 90s where it shows all his big games. Just watch the game. See what he yep. would do. LeBron's not yep. close to Michael in that area. Although he will be the second greatest player of all time, he already is, in my opinion. I love Patrick, the, I know the, you have to go. I want to respect your time. Go ahead. I wanted – so Patrick just interviewed people. Uh, remember, Cage, we interacted with people yep. on Clubhouse yep. and NFTs. We've never seen it like this. This last three months on Top Shot and NFTs – I, I mean, I'm young, but I've never seen uh, steam behind something so so big. What do you make of NFTs? What do you make of Top Shot? How are you not, viewing Not it? going away. Not going away. I think the older generation is trying to understand everything, and you're not. Uh, uh, if any, look, uh, 30 seconds. I'll say this, and I got to yep. run up because they keep yep. opening the door. Let, let me put it to you this way. In the stock market today, if you look at PE ratios, Schiller PE ratios, the interest rates, the money where 40% of the wealth of the dollar in America ever printed, 40% of it ever printed, was printed in the last 12 months. Let me say that one more time. 40% of all the currency in the history of America ever printed was printed in the last 12 months. Then you got $5 trillion of money you fed into the economy. You got real estate, weird pricing. Nothing makes sense today. When nothing makes sense, you have to step back and research a lot. You can't talk shit without doing research. 
if somebody's listening to this and saying nothing makes sense when it comes down to NFTs, buddy, just take a step back. Don't say anything. Go spend 20 hours reading about NFTs, then come back and give your opinion about NFTs because NFTs are not going away. They're not going away. That's how my co-host became a Top Shot millionaire. Someone asked him a Patrick, question on our we community. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate it. Again, Anytime, guys. Really enjoyed it. Sincerely, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the advice. Thank Take you. Take care, guys. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.